Welcome to Feed Your Health, a weekly podcast with your host Morgan Shepherd, where we'll be taking a deep dive into the big dial movers of health, focusing on movement, nutrition, and stress management. You'll get tangible takeaways, tactical knowledge, and exclusive stories to inspire and empower you on your transformational health journey. Let's get thriving. Welcome to the podcast. So today I wanted to talk about biofeedback and different markers that coaches track to help gather information about you and your body and your environment so that we can sort of determine a path to follow to get you to your goals. I have a whole slew of different things that I look at when I'm working with a client. And I think it's kind of important to talk about these things because then you, even if you don't have a coach, you can use these markers to develop awareness about your own situation and your own, you know, obstacles and challenges and things that you could begin to change or improve. Because the things that you pay attention to, the things that you track, you're able to then improve. If you're not tracking something, then you have no marker, no baseline to see where you're at and what direction direction you need to go in order to improve. So from a general standpoint, when I am working with a client, I have them fill out a weekly check-in form that covers any number of markers. A lot of times we think about the markers being your body fat percentage, your weight, what your calorie intake is, your macros, you know, how much exercise you're getting in. Are you hitting all of your workouts? Are you doing strength training? How much cardio are you getting? What your steps are? All of those are amazing numbers to keep track of, but we don't just need that information. That doesn't give us a whole picture of you as a person. So I think it's also important for us to keep track of things like stress. How are you feeling throughout the day and throughout the week? Honestly, if you're really on top of it, look at stress hour to hour. Beginning to pay attention to how you feel in the morning. At what point in the day do things start to become more stressful? Are you feeling anxious at certain times? Do you feel like you get your little afternoon slump? Stress is often connected to your energy levels. You know, if you're feeling really, really drained or tired or exhausted at the end of the day, that might increase your stress levels. I know for me, Sunday nights are really stressful for me because I want the next week to go so perfectly. So I'm planning and I'm focusing and I'm trying to like develop this plan for the week that may or may not work out. So making sure that I'm aware of that really helps me navigate my Sunday nights. Also, if you're having certain events that you're going to be going to, where does your stress fall in there? During the height of COVID, I often felt stressed just going to the grocery store. So navigating that was really important for me. Figuring out, okay, go to the grocery store early in the morning to get that stress out of the way so that then I can recover and actually get work done because I'm going to be worrying about it all day if I wait till the end of the day to do that. The same goes sometimes for workouts. If you are trying to make working out a habit, it might behoove you to put it at the beginning of your day because then you can just get it out of the way and check it off rather than spending the whole day stressing about, I need to get this done, I need to get this done, I need to get this done. Stress is one of those big markers and it can originate from anywhere. Honestly, you can have emotional stress, you can have stress from being tired, you can have stress from doing workouts. That is a form of stress. If you're not allowing yourself adequate recovery, and I talked about this last week, if you're not allowing yourself adequate time to recover from the workouts that you're putting your body through or the training that you're putting your body through, then you will be in a state of stress. Stress doesn't just mean 
how is your brain? It also means how is your body? What physical activity have you done to put stress on your body? I went dancing this weekend. I only got three hours and 41 minutes of sleep on Sunday morning after my escapades. That is stress. And I have to keep in mind that then the rest of my Sunday is going to be being in that state of exhaustion. And I might be a little more grouchy or I might be a little bit more moody. I might be hungrier. I might be not hungry because my hormone levels are all confused. So navigating where you're having stress. You might have stress at your job. I know a lot of people don't like their jobs. I was privileged enough to leave the industry that caused me so much stress in my life, but I know it's not that simple for everybody. But if you navigate, okay, if you have a job that creates stress in your life, are there ways that you can manage that? Are, you, are there ways that you can lower the amount of stress that your job causes you? Creating an awareness of why your job may be causing you stress. Where? What areas? Is it a person that you're working with? Is it the work that you're doing? Is it the timing? Is it that you have to commute or maybe you have an office at home, but it just doesn't feel right? Being able to pay attention to these things and ask the right questions is super important. So stress and energy management, those are two of the biggest markers. Also pertaining to energy, energy is mental and physical. I'm reading a book on this right now and it's really interesting, but energy management isn't just conserving it. For example, a lot of time coaches will ask you to do what we call NEAT, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Essentially movement that isn't specific to a workout or exercise. So basically walking, how much walking, how much movement, do you get throughout your day? I know when I was working in food service, I was walking a lot. I would probably cover like six miles in a shift. That is a lot of exercise. Well, not exercise, but that is a lot of movement and that will affect your energy input and output. We as a society have become way more sedentary and trying to reestablish those movement patterns within our lives, those movement habits is super important. Because, and this is the key here, the more movement that you do in a given period, it can actually help you re-energize yourself. So you might think, oh my god, I'm too tired to work out. But in reality, if you do the workout, that might actually energize you more. So you might feel better after you work out. I had that same experience yesterday where I was like, oh my God, I'm stressed. I'm overwhelmed. I don't have time for this. But then I did the workout and I felt so much better because my body was able to step away from all of the things that were overwhelming me and stressing me and just focus on this one thing for that period of time. And movement helps you alleviate a lot of that anxiety that's happening within your body. And so it's a re-energizer, which is often why many people who talk about morning routines talk about having a movement component. Like if you're planning to have a morning routine, you want to hit your mental, your physical, your spiritual, whateverness, and movement is part of that. So whether that is getting up and taking a walk, getting up and doing a little bit of a yoga flow to get the stiffness out of your body, Movement creates more circulation within your body. So not only are you increasing your blood circulation, but you're also increasing the circulation of your lymphatic system. So all of these things help to add more energy into your life. And I know it seems a little like contradictory, like the more movement I do, the more tired I should feel. But that's not actually how it works. There is a limit, obviously, overtraining 
doing too much exercise, moving too much, those can be drains. Those are absolutely energy drains. But finding the perfect balance is really helpful. One of the things to keep in mind when you're looking at movement and how it supports your energy levels is to not have an all or nothing mindset when it comes to your movement. So you might be like, I have to do this whole workout or I have to get in 10,000 steps or I have to do the whole thing all at once. Breaking it up into small, manageable pieces is actually going to be way easier for you to handle. But also, if you're one of those people who's like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it every day. I'm going to do it for an hour every day and I'm going to start tomorrow. And then you do it and you overdo it, then you're less likely to do it again. So, you know, start with like a walk around the block or 10 minutes a day. That kind of thing, building on that rather than, oh, I'm going to commit to an hour of movement every day. Don't overdo it. Don't overwhelm your systems because then you're less likely to continue doing the habit. So back to biomarkers, biofeedback markers, stress, energy. Obviously, that's going to change throughout the day, depending on how you're feeding yourself, how many breaks you're taking. One of the things that I'm working on right now in my own life is taking breaks every 90 to 120 minutes because our brains and our bodies can really only focus for that amount of time. And we need to then recover and re-energize ourselves before we're able to then refocus. If you throw in 15 to 20 minute breaks in between your 90 minute segments, then you'll be more focused and more energized throughout that work period. Also recognizing that at the end of the day, that's when most people are drained. You're also going to have your afternoon slump. That's also a thing. But being aware of that. So beginning to pay attention to when that is happening for you. Everybody has different trigger times. Like I am a morning person. Not everybody is a morning person. So you may be depleted early in the morning. You may feel the most tired in the morning and you're like wide awake when it gets to be like 9 p.m. That's okay. Nobody has to be on the same rhythm. Like we don't have to all be morning people. (laughs) There's no truth in that. You do what works best for your body type and work with that. You know, don't force yourself to be a morning person because you don't you don't have to be just because Instagram says you should have a morning routine. You don't have to do it that way. If you're more productive in the evenings and you want it to be that way, then work with what your body is giving you. It can be really hard, though, because of the way our society is set up to have nine to five jobs or like whatever, 60 plus hours a week. We work too hard as it is, but trying to navigate that in a way that you can reestablish your baseline and figure out when your body is waking up and when your body is feeling tired. So energy, big thing to pay attention to. Also sleep. I go to bed between 8.30 and 9, pretty much every day, except for those nights where I go out dancing and I'm not home until 4 and then I go to bed then. That is not an easy thing to navigate, but it's what I want to do with my life, so I find ways to make it work. Sleep is super important, and I highly, highly, highly encourage you to get at least 8 hours a night. You may think that you can function on less than that, But I can guarantee you that optimally, if you're trying to work on developing better health, having more sleep will help you increase your chances. (laughs) Honestly, we all know we need to sleep more. You can go back and listen to my fabulous episode with Irina on sleep and the importance of that. We talked so much wonderful stuff. There was lots of science. I loved it. Go back and listen to that one. 
I do think it's important to pay attention. How are you feeling? Not just numbers, like how many hours of sleep you get is important, but more so is how are you feeling when you wake up? Are you groggy? Do you have trouble falling asleep? Do you have trouble staying asleep? At what point in the night are you waking up? And do you know why? Like, for example, if I eat like chickpeas or fried foods or drink alcohol or things that my body isn't used to having that much of, I will wake up at 3 a.m. That's just something that happens. And while I can prepare for that, it can be challenging because you might have one restless night of sleep and then that's going to affect your next day, which will affect your next night of sleep and then continue. And it sort of compounds on itself. There is no real way to make up sleep, but you can try and take a nap. You can do what you can to be more restful and try and relax more and bring more calm back into your day in order to sort of recalibrate. So how much sleep you're getting and the quality is super important. Then I like to talk about hunger. And this is one of the biggest ones in my coaching. We talk about appetite awareness. Hunger is one of those things that a lot of us don't know how to read. We've been so out of touch with our bodies for so long that we're unable to read the signals. And this isn't our fault. Oftentimes, this is something that's happened because of hormonal disruptions. And I'm going to do a whole podcast on things that will affect your hormones and how that affects whether or not you feel full or not. Because there's two hormones, there's leptin and ghrelin. One is the hunger hormone and one is the hormone that makes you feel full. And there's various different things that will affect that. Basically, reestablishing a connection with what it feels like to be hungry and what it feels like to be full. And then evaluating where on the hunger scale you are. Are you ravenous? Are you starving? Do you feel like you are going to pass out if you don't eat right now? Does your stomach feel like a pit? Is it acidic? Is it gassy? Is it like, you know, caving in on itself? How hungry do you feel? And then once you begin to eat, your fullness scale, could you have more? Are you comfortable? Do you feel satisfied? Do you feel like you need to have more? Do you feel slightly sick? Are you getting more uncomfortable? Do your pants stop fitting? Do you feel nauseous? These are all things to begin to pay attention to, especially how you respond to that. Now, I like to have my clients develop awareness of their hunger without judgment. Don't sit there and judge yourself for feeling hungry and eating or feeling sick and still eating. That's not what we're about. Focusing on just the feeling, what it feels like. You know, is this something that you are, are you feeling hungry because you are feeling a craving and you need to satisfy an itch or an urge or a flavor or a texture? Is it emotional? Is it physical? Did you do a workout and now you need to fuel your body after? I'm actually working on creating a live training and a webinar specifically about cravings. So I won't go into that too much, but cravings and hunger are slightly, they're interconnected, but often cravings aren't necessarily associated with physical hunger. They could be based on psychological needs. But beginning to pay attention to where your hunger levels lie is super important. And then how you feed yourself and how you feel after you eat. Also, I like to have clients track their emotions around eating 
or around working out. How are you feeling throughout the day and how do those affect the things that you do? Are you not working out and then feeling guilty about it and then berating yourself or having negative thought patterns that show up? Are you having positive thought patterns that show up? How do you speak to yourself when you look in the mirror? How do you speak to yourself in the shower? How do you speak to yourself while you're working out or while you're eating or even while you're preparing your food? Even while you're standing in front of the fridge looking in there being like, what should I eat? Should I eat? Paying attention to those emotions and not necessarily judging what you're feeling, but just creating an awareness. I also touched on NEAT, non-exercise activity. I think it's important to have an awareness of that. You don't necessarily have to have like a pedometer or a step tracker, but it can be super useful. I personally wear a Garmin watch and it tracks my steps. And I don't necessarily look at that every day, but I am aware of it. And it helps me to figure out how much movement I've had throughout my day. Which, now that I work from home and I'm not in food service, can be kind of frightening just how much I'm sitting. Paying attention to that, highly, highly recommend that. We are a sedentary society, but as a species, we were not designed to be. And I am still navigating that. If you're high achieving like me and you have so many different things on your plate, getting in steps can seem really daunting because it's not a productive time in the way that I desire productivity. Like I'm not accomplishing anything. I can't get work done. But I can use that time to calm my emotions and maybe listen to a nice podcast or look at the flowers. I mean, honestly, my walk the other day outside was beautiful. I love where I live. Being able to see all the beautiful things is one of the highlights of being able to go for a walk. If you have dogs, not not my dogs, because my dogs are reactive dogs and they are not great walking in the city. But if you have calm dogs that go for walks, obviously use them. Just building in movement into your day, finding little ways to do it. And again, as I said before, take it easy, take it slow. Don't overwhelm yourself. Don't try and do an all or nothing mindset. A little bit here or there will help in the long run. And the more you do it, the more your body will crave it. It's kind of like the more you do something, the more you want to do it and the better you feel and then you begin to crave it. Like when I first started getting into running, it was super painful and I didn't like it. and It was not that fun. But eventually, once I started having the happy hormones hit and I got that runner's high and like my body was beginning to feel good after movement, then I started to want it more and I started to not feel sane if I didn't work out or, you know, my my mental status was off if I didn't get in a movement or a workout or some kind of training. The same goes for your baseline movement. You can increase your baseline movement to a higher level, which means that your body will desire it, which means you will be more likely to keep doing it because you're like, oh, this feels good. I'm going to keep doing this because it keeps feeling good. Anyways, moving on. Something else I like people to keep track of, which you don't have to like write it down, but be aware of your social interactions with others and your connections and your relationships. You know, I think a lot of people in coaching and in the fitness world don't necessarily talk about this section because it's kind of woo-woo-ish, but we are social creatures and we desire to connect with others. And especially in today's world where everything is digital and even if you 
you know, you may have a lot of meetings on Zoom or you may even be going into the office and you're like seeing people there. That is important. That actually helps you feel better about yourself by being around others. Even if you are shy or you're an introvert, you still need some kind of social connection. Having social connections might be something that you have to navigate, like they may drain you more than you realize. You may have to pay attention to your energy when it comes to meeting with other people. And that might make it more challenging, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. You should still attempt to have those social interactions, even if it's just talking with a friend on the phone or connecting with a stranger on social media. That can be a connection in and of itself. It's not as wonderful as in-person connection, and it doesn't necessarily feed your desires in the same way, but it could help and it could play into it in a way. So I think it's important to nurture our connections, our relationships with others, with ourselves also, that one is super important. I, I mean, I touched on that when I talked about emotions, like how are you talking to yourself? But also, do you have like a self-care routine? Do you have time to yourself where you are taking care of your needs? Are you asking for your needs to be met? Are you communicating them? And a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, you may not be paying attention to what your needs actually are. You may be one of those people pleasers that's always trying to help other people and not necessarily focusing on their own needs. And we forget about that. Or we just ignore it. <laughs> but I think it's super important to make sure that you're nurturing your relationship with yourself. You know, and I know it's all woo-woo when people talk about self-love and creating that connection with yourself and feeling like you have everything you need with inside you and that you're able to be happy just with yourself. Once you get it, you're like, oh, yeah, I get it. That makes so much sense. Why didn't I get it before? But it's not that easy. You can't just wake up and be like, oh my god, I love myself. Now, maybe if you started saying that to yourself every day and like used affirmations and like manifested and all that jazz, then you would actually feel that way. But it's not a magic button. Like you can't just magically love yourself. It takes work. It takes connecting with your inner child and looking at past trauma and developing awareness about all of these things and being comfortable being yourself with yourself. Like, do you know how to be alone? Can you be alone and not feel negative? That's a big one. And, you know, I'm in therapy. We're all doing our thing to make sure that we handle our own shit. This is something that I've been working on. Practicing being present in the moment and not having to accomplish something, not having to do something. That has actually really helped me find myself in a way that allows me to develop this self-love. On a tangent here, love me some tangents. I was talking about connections with yourself, connections with others, and also connections with the world as a whole, or if you are religious, a higher being. I'm personally not religious, but I am relatively spiritual in that I gain energy from being in nature and in the natural world, and I think that there's a great force behind the power of life. You know, like, if you look at the fucking ocean, that shit will kill you. She is beautiful, but she is also dangerous and powerful, and there's a force there to be reckoned with. Whatever it is that you believe, tie into that. 
because it helps you feel like you have a sense of purpose, a sense of belonging, a sense of meaning, like there's a point for you to be here, which may just be to exist, you know, and to experience life, however it is that you want to see it. But I think it's important to try and develop that because then it helps you feel less alone. And that ties into, I think it's super important that everybody get some outside time daily. Get your vitamin D, get in the sun. I know a lot of us don't live in sunny places. Move. That's all I got to say there. Um, where you live can often be a deciding factor in how much sun you get. And I know for me, it is one of the most important things that I need in my life. So I have chosen to live in Southern California. And that works for me for now. Getting outside can be challenging in a city. It's not always the most pleasant of places to be outside, but I can always drive to outside places. I went on a wonderful hike last Monday, five or six miles in the mountains and some greenery. Granted, there's a drought going on, so it wasn't the most green, but there was vegetation and wildlife. Outside, super important. There's scientific evidence that basically it helps like you feel better in life. We weren't meant to live our entire lives inside of cement boxes, so. If you follow my stories at all, you know that I tend to like meditation. Everybody meditates differently. You have to figure out what will work for you and your situation, but I think incorporating some kind of meditation practice, whether that is just breathing, body movement, maybe some podcasts that you listen to, like a guided meditation or some kind of visualization, something that brings you in tune to how your body is feeling in that moment and that allows you to sort of clear your mind and calm yourself or have a specific focus that you focus on and just meditate on that. Finding a way to incorporate some kind of routine is highly beneficial. One other big thing that is kind of factored into stress, energy, and sleep is recovery. People don't talk about it enough. I talked about it a bit last week, but the importance of, and, and, I, and this goes back to like the 90 minute segments of work, creating recovery periods within your day. So looking at your schedule and being like, where can I reestablish energy? And, and where can I check out from whatever the thing is that I'm focusing on? Like, we're not good at multitasking, but we're very good at sustained work for like 90 to 120 minutes. And we can focus during that time period. But then we need to have a break where we recover and we focus on something else completely. It could be something that's fun. It could be like an activity like coloring or drawing or movement, dance, music. It doesn't have to be something that's accomplishing or doing, you can just be in that 20 minute period. I also recommend not turning to screens or phones or TV because that also is an energy drain. Those are the biofeedback markers that I like to have in my check-in forms weekly. And I'll just review them really quick. I talked about stress, energy, sleep, hunger, emotions, non-exercise activity, social connections, outside time, and having a meditation practice. Obviously, tracking your food and tracking your exercise are important, but it's not just about those two. So I think it's super important that we begin to develop awareness in these other areas. And by having a weekly check-in form, it allows you to reflect on your week and to see where you could have done better, what needs improvement, 
where you were successful. I mean, that's one of the biggest things is what have you done well this week? What have you succeeded at? Focusing on your wins and your strengths rather than focusing on all the negative things or the bad things or the things that didn't work out quite the way you planned is actually more beneficial to you in the long run and we don't do it enough. Those are the things that I put on a check-in form. And you could do this for yourself. You just create a journal and start writing these things down. Okay, so I'm going to wrap up now. And I just wanted to thank everybody for listening. As always, I love it when you check in and let me know how the episode went, what you thought was great, what you would have liked to hear more of. Please leave me a review or a rating. That would be amazing. And you can check me out. All of my details are listed in the show notes. If you want to learn more about my coaching, you can sign up for my newsletter and I share weekly tidbits, knowledge, and habit changes to help you on your transformational health journey. Thank you so much again for listening. Have an amazing week. Talk to you next week. Ciao!